Hello, everybody. Oh, hi, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to I'm Good Actually, the podcast where I'm not sure if Mia remembers she's a co-host of it. I'm not today so much. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that, Mia? Why don't you tell me about it? Well, as everybody knows, Easter bank holiday weekend is every party girl's favourite national holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very true, actually. This party girl partied too close to the sun this weekend. I am a broken, broken little baby girl. Do you know what? I've barely even spoken to you. Like, I genuinely don't know what you did this weekend. No. It's mad, isn't it? Oh, it, yeah. It was um, it was a heavy one. So Friday night, I went out with a couple of friends. Or we had some drinks here, then went into town, and then ended up having an after party back at mine. Um, I had Sunny. approximately one hour's sleep. And then got picked up by my friend to go to his family Easter party. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And the kids just were all over me. So I was the only person that any of the children wanted to play with. So that was a lot. But I powered through. And then the family Easter party, once the kids went to bed, turned into another very late night. And by the time I got home yesterday, I think I just went into a full coma for about 24 hours. So there we are. And now you're here. And now I'm here. Yay. I'm so proud of you. I love how much you just take full advantage of not having the kids with you for a week. I know, right? It's got to be done. Yeah, I've got most, it has. most of my dignity left intact. I didn't do anything <laughs> too stupid. I mean, the fact that you laughed and refused to look at, make eye contact with me via the webcam means that that's not true. I did do something really stupid. Oh no, what? About half past two Saturday morning, I unblocked a certain friend of the podcast, text him just saying hi, and then panicked and just re-blocked him. So he would have just woken up to out of nowhere, a text from me just saying, hi, no punctuation or anything. And then you are blocked by this guy. What, Voldemort? Yeah. Mia! Fucking hell. I know. I know. It felt like a good idea for about 15 seconds. Then I immediately was like, this is stupid. And then just re-blocked him again. Right, listen. I know. No, no. It's just me and you. (laughs) You don't need me to tell you that was wrong. So all I'm going to say is well done for immediately shitting your pants and blocking him again. We've all been there. We've all made mistakes, but I'm very proud of you for doing that immediately and keeping it that way as well. So well done. Yeah. What a moron, well, though. And pl- thank you very much for providing us with some content for this intro. <laughs> I didn't remember either until I like, woke up and then I kept forgetting. And then I'm like, oh, God, just that. Why? Mate, it could have been worse. Why? Don't worry about it. It could have been. It could have been worse, but just don't let this... He, the sort of person that I can only assume that he is from the bad stuff that I know about him, um, yes. could very easily take that as an invitation or take yeah. it as an indication that he's still able to get away with shit with you. 
Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me. I know he's blocked, but it wouldn't surprise me if somehow, some way, he popped up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Because that to him is going to be like a clear sign. The fact that it just said hi as well. <laughs> no, like it's, it's fine. We've all done it. I like, no, don't feel no, bad. I know, but it just... Oh, I don't. I think it's fucking hilarious. Okay, Can you imagine just waking up on a Saturday morning to just half past two in the morning, just hi from someone you haven't spoken to in six months. And then they said hi and just immediately <laughs> blocked you. I'm just worried that he's going to be like, oh, she's still thinking about me. Oh, she's just said hi. She obviously wanted to talk to me. He's just going to take that as an invitation to yeah. weasel his way back yeah. in. Literally, why? What's wrong with me? So many other people I could have texted instead, but no. Naughty slap on the mist. On the mist. I'm going to slap your mist off. Uh, naughty <laughs> slap on the wrist for Mia. And honestly, I'd completely forgotten about that again until just before we started recording. Morsh literally went to me. She was like, oh, why? What have you done? And I was like, no, nothing bad. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad. Oh, actually, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> That's one bad thing. But other one than bad that, thing. I was actually very well behaved ish i'm as in like shocked. i didn't sleep with anyone inappropriate okay i'm shocked at all i'm really shocked not just <laughs> i know go me oh. well done you how was your easter chaos well you know what i've got something to tell you uh-oh did you text Voldemort as well? Uh, no. No, okay, that, I made that sound really serious. First off, I'm going to tell you how my weekend was. Um, and it was actually surprisingly wholesome. Oh. So Thursday night, I finished work and I was me- I, I was meant to work when I got home because I had so much to do because I'm on holiday this week. And my team were going to the pub. So I was like, do you know what? I'll come to the pub for one, but then I'll come back to the office, finish what I was doing, just work late, go home. Like... Of course, that was never going to happen. <laughs> um, fast forward to like half past nine in this pub that's not even, it's like just a normal pub, like doing karaoke, literally like screaming Taylor Swift all too well, 10 minute version. Huge fan, huge while fan. it was just like a sea of graduates that are in my office. Um, it was all very awful. Um, and then the rest of the weekend, I don't know why I kind of took it easy. So I saw a friend on Friday and we went for a walk around London and we were going to have like loads of drinks. And then we were just like, fuck it. We can't bother because we were both hungover. Mm. And then Saturday didn't do anything. Sunday went to visit one of our friends. Um, and again, even when I arrived, cause I had to get like a train there. She lives in Dover. So even when I arrived, I was like, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm vibing some carnage is going to happen today. I, I feel like chaos is going to happen. We literally went out for some drinks and it got to like four o'clock and we were like, should we just go back to yours? Can't be asked. And then we got a takeaway and watched Burlesque. Amazing. <laughs> okay, that is iconic. Yeah. And played Uno and was in bed by midnight. So I feel very smug. Okay. Thing I is, know. I'm starting to think that I'm the bad influence here because when me, you and said friend hang out, the three of us, it is only ever pure chaos. Yeah. Um... I mean, yeah, you are the bad influence. Okay, that's good. 
Do you know what? Genuinely, there's been a few times this side of Christmas and New Year, there's been a few nights out where I've been so drunk. And then the next day, you know, when I've really gone down the hole, yeah. I need to stop this. I mean, the fact that my cry calendar has got three occasions on it where I cried because I was so hungover and that was in within the space of like two weeks. Um, and I think I was just like, I've gone through that. I need to rein it in. I need to just stop getting that battered. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't, it wasn't like a conscious choice this weekend, yeah. but I just had a couple of drinks and was like, do you know what? I'm fine with just yeah, a couple of drinks. It's like, Why not? it is what it is. Uh, but oh. the exciting thing that I've got to tell you. Oh, it's a good thing. It could be. I think I met my future husband on Thursday night. This isn't Lewis Hamilton messaging you on Instagram, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actual genuine real person. Um, Disclaimer, I am being very dramatic, uh, but let me explain the story. So was in the pub on Thursday night. This is a pub that we go to all the time. Yeah. Just finished doing karaoke. Man, I feel like a woman. Um, And I made it my own as well. I know. Um, And then I literally handed the microphone to one of the grads that wanted to sing some bullshit Phil Collins song um, (laughs) and looked at the bar and there was a man standing there looking at me and I haven't been looked at like that since I first met my ex he was looking at me and I remember looking at him and thinking oh oh my god like he's looking at me but he wasn't looking at me he was looking yeah yeah because I was pissed, so annoying. I can't remember the conversation. Because I was pissed, I went straight over there and was just like, hi. And he said, hi. And then he said something, and I can't remember what it was or what I said back. And then I was like, do you work at and said the name of my company? And he said, no, I don't. But I do work in the same building as you, just on the first floor. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Another like The conversation carried on probably for another five, ten minutes don't yeah. remember a word of it. Don't Amazing. remember what we said to each other. I know he never told me his name and I don't okay. think I told him mine. Um, and then the next bit I remember is I said, we were talking about the karaoke and then I was like, do you want to do a duet with me? And he was like, yeah, but only if we can make it like a love song. And then we both like laughed. And then uh, he went, but I'm it. outside. I know. And he went, but I'm outside with three work friends and they're really boring. So let me once they leave I'll come inside and then we can do our duet so I was like okay fine wandered off was literally like this but and he was fit as well and it wasn't just beer goggles because I walked back to the two girls I was with and they were like who the hell was that and I was like some guy just started talking to me and they were like he was fit and I was like yes I know he was like he is isn't he um so then I tried to play it cool for about three and a half minutes as usual and then went outside for a vape and as I opened the door he was standing right next to it outside and he looked at me and the way he looked at me again it it literally made me like stop in my tracks like he had all like twinkly eyes and he literally turned around and when he saw me he had the biggest smile on his face like it was to the point where I was opening the door and went to walk out and kind of I remember thinking in my head like oh my god (laughs) like he's like looking at me like that and like I wasn't I didn't want to keep looking at him but like I looked up and he like was like looked at me like sideways and like gave me a little smile and I just smiled back and then I went inside um and then just got even more pissed and then basically (laughs) the people I was with decided to leave so I 
just walked out and he was obviously still standing there. And I remember him saying, are you going? And I think I said something like, yeah, you missed your chance to do our like duet or something. And he, nice line, nice line. And then I can't remember what he said back. And I just kind of went, oh, okay, bye. And walked off down the road and then got halfway down the road. And was like, I should have asked for his number, shouldn't I? Like, yeah. what am I doing? Why have I just walked away? But the girls I was with really wanted to leave because they were hungry. So they were like, no, come on, it's fine, it's fine. And I was a bit like, oh, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go. And then I left. Fuck's And sake. that was it. And then... I, so I've like, and as I was walking off, I was thinking, no, it's just like a thing, whatever. But I've not stopped thinking about it since. Okay, so all we know is what part of the building he works in. You don't even have a name to be able to be like. So I'm like all about this guy, obviously, like, in the in a way that you can be when you've had like two thirty second drunk conversations. Yeah, so with you're them, completely that's in love with him and expecting this to be forever. <laughs> that's how, exactly how. No. But you know, when I'm like, oh my God, there was like, it's just the way he was looking at me. I haven't been looked at. And I was like, Jesus Christ, if he fancied me after watching me scream all too well 10 minute version on karaoke mm-hmm. when I didn't realise anyone was watching me. It's meant to be. Uh, so yeah, but what's quite cute is that it's, it could like, it's likely that I could see him again because obviously he works in my yeah. building. But then part of me goes, maybe I won't ever see him again because I've never seen him before. But then maybe he's new. I don't know. I don't I can't know. believe you didn't get his number. We can make this work. How I annoying. mean, mate. But what, do you know what the most annoying thing is? I've had two relationships, relationships, whatever you want to call them, at work. I'm so bored <laughs> of having to look fit in the office. And now for a third time, I can't turn up to work looking like shit anymore. <laughs> it's so annoying. I mean, I would just like to reiterate, he still thought you were fit post you scream <laughs> cry singing taylor swift so i think if, even if you forget to put a full mm, yeah. face on you might be all right oh, good point yeah. actually so yeah <gasps> that is exciting so I've, I've literally been like don't get me wrong i know it's not like we're gonna get married i was being dramatic mm. but you know just sorry that i'm like fuck yeah. and like i said i haven't been looked at like that it literally stopped me I in my tracks as feeling. i opened the door and i haven't had that since when I was I first seeing my ex, it's nearly six years. No one's ever looked at me like that. Right, we're finding this man, and yeah, I'll start planning. Because part of me was a bit like, oh, he's probably got a girlfriend. Yeah. Like that's cringe. Blah 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 blah. But then if he has got a girlfriend, like he shouldn't be looking at girls like that in bars. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I can't lie because so, of yeah. my just lack of faith in men. My immediate thought was, oh, he's probably married then. <laughs> yeah. How no. annoying. So, yeah, basically, I've got a little thing now that maybe, even if I just randomly see him, like, I just need there to be something else that happens, if you know what I mean. Even if it's just that I start seeing him around, I don't know. I always feel like, as well, like, you say you haven't seen him before, but you probably have, but you don't notice people until you need to notice them half the time. So, like, I reckon now you know Mm. he exists, you're going to see him all the fucking time. Only thing is, I'm slightly concerned that I won't recognise him because <laughs> I can't really remember what he looked like now. <laughs> I can remember that he was like tall, dark, and handsome. I can remember he had dark hair and a dark beard, and he was taller than me. Mm, that's it. <laughs> There's no actual facial like features going on. It's just beard and hair and height. I mean, well, that's more yeah. you need. I kind of, if anything, I was going to say, if anything, I need him to recognise me and give me his little twinkly-eyed look again. 
Oh, Imagine if I saw him and was like, oh my God, he was not fit. <laughs> I didn't fancy him. It's always a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, anyway, so I've got a cute little thing oh. that now I can provide updates on and let people know well, if I've seen him that week at work. There'll either be updates in the case of like, no, I haven't seen him. Or if she goes completely silent on it, you all know that means that they've actually started speaking to each other and she's gone on a date and she's too paranoid to talk about him <laughs> on here now. So, yeah. I'll just be like, yeah, it's fine. I saw yeah. him in the office. It's great. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say no comment on here? Yes. Well, no, actually. Okay. Cool. Um, quickly, before okay, we move on, I think we do need to talk about some very important and devastating news that has entered our lives this week. And that is the our beautiful Tay-Tay may no longer be in her relationship with Joe Alwyn. Can I tell you my thoughts on this? Please. I think this is going to upset a lot of people, but I didn't particularly like them as a couple. I agree. I thought she was 10... No, it's too good for him is not a fair thing to say because I don't know this kid. He might be the greatest fucking bloke on earth. I don't know. But I just I just wasn't vibing them together. I was like, she's a fucking queen. Like and I don't think he's that fit. But again, that's not that's my opinion, not her. He seems boring as well. Like, did you see the um photos of him on the last tour and he just looked miserable at every single game? Yeah. Um and my biggest thought Oh, imagine the album. I know. We're going to get out of this. That's the first thing I said to you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Literally. It's such a good album. It's going to be all too well from mm. the three hour version. If we got 10 minutes after her, like four months with Gyllenhaal. Yeah. But apparently they had like an amicable breakup. Yeah, but that's what we all say. That's what you're going to say publicly, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it's PR. Imagine if she'd done him dirty like she did Tom Hiddleston. Fine with it. I'm fine with it. I can't wait. Just <laughs> I hope she's writing songs as we speak. And I hope she's not sad because she is literally, like, she is my God. She is my version of God. So I really don't want her to be upset. I don't want her to be sad. I don't like that. I want her to, be, to bounce back quickly, please. I actually, I just want to read your actual response because it made me laugh so much. <laughs> I like- we didn't reply to it, so I thought you ignored it. Uh, that's because I was dying. Um, okay, fine. I said I forwarded you like a screenshot from Twitter, and you're like, I know. <laughs> Think of the album we've got coming our way. He wasn't good enough for her. My queen, to be fair, no one is good enough for her. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I stand by it. No one's good enough for her. The only person that I think she could be with, and I'd be like, oh, my God, okay, Harry. I need to shut up, is Harry Styles. They've already been there, done that. I know, but it was right person, wrong time. Mm. Yeah, do you know what? I don't, now I've said that out loud, I don't actually know if I mean that. But not, not now we've seen how he kisses. <laughs> Should we crack on with our little... Yeah, bit of a bit of a heavy one today. Um, yeah. We still managed to make it light because we are very highly skilled <laughs> at our job. <laughs> so enjoy, guys. You can have a wonderful time. Yay! <laughs> Today, it's going to get a little bit heavy and a little bit like a throwback to university, I feel. Because uh, we're going to talk about attachment styles, which is fun. That is fun. 
I think I say it's fun. It's not going to be fun by the end of it, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. We both did an attachment style quiz, which we will get to our results towards the end. Because even just doing that quiz is a fucking ride, right? Yeah. yeah. And after I did it, I messaged you and was like, well, that was upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? There's people out there who who would do that and be like, why the fuck is this upsetting? What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. It just makes you realise a lot of stuff, like the questions, mm. when you actually have to think about what your answer is. You're like, oh, that's actually quite sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I'll link yeah. all of this information is from the same website that the quiz is on. So I'll link that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and find out their own attachment style or their partners or like figure out how to become more secure in attachment, there's loads of stuff on that website. It's actually really good. Um, and I'm basically... I've just paraphrased everything I'm going to say from that website. So it's not plagiarism. Why not? Because I learned that at university. That's the only thing I really did learn. So attachment styles. It's a psychological theory that it like it dates back to the 1950s, which actually kind of blew my mind because I think it's only really become like a discussion topic in like the TikTok era. Like I feel like everyone is talking about attachment styles at the moment. Do you think part of it is just that we have all collectively lost our minds and people are desperately trying to search for an answer for a reason why and they're like oh maybe it's something to do with attachment styles that we developed when we were children and it's like yeah we're gonna latch onto that that's fine yeah fuck maybe like covid made us all realize we were psychopaths and we're trying to work out why we're so broken oh well there you go then i mean how many times an episode <laughs> Do we go, oh my God, we are so mentally ill. How many times have we said that this season? I say, how many times have we blamed it all on COVID? <laughs> As if we weren't this <laughs> fucked up in 2019. But we were both in relationships pre-COVID, so we blamed it on that. We've got nothing else to blame it on now. That's four years. I was like, I'm fucked up and it's because of my relationship. And then I was like, I'm fucked up because of my ex. And it's, I'm fucked up because of COVID. But none of it's my fault. It's never our fault. Well, as we're about to explore no. now, we can just blame our parents. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I've been doing my whole life anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's based on the work of psychiatrist and psychoanalyst James Bowlby, I assume, or Bowlby. Either way, it's not a great surname, but he's done some good no. work, so we'll let him off, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very... Well done, I'm you. I'm trying to take this seriously, and I'm already fucking it up. I'm like one sentence in. No, I don't want you to take it super seriously, because people won't realise they're listening to our podcast. Oh, they'll they put the wrong one. I'll be like, is this woman's hour? Women's hour? Whatever it's called. <laughs> Um, so there are four identified attachment styles there is anxious preoccupied avoidant dismissive disorganized fearful avoidant and secure and god i want to be in that final category one day um as we've kind of hinted at we develop our attachment style in early life and it carries through to our adult life we can like you can work on them like you can do a shit ton of therapy and that is very advised if you have an insecure attachment style so you can learn to be secure 
in your adult relationships but it does take work because it doesn't come naturally and I'm like can I can I really and Borsha's face is also saying no you fucking can't <laughs> uh sorry as someone that had really intense therapy that started because of my breakup but actually developed into discussing childhood trauma <laughs> and why basically every single stupid or bad thing I've ever done in my adult life trickles back to my parents and then probably 18 months after that realization that was all my therapy turned into and I have not changed <laughs> one ounce (laughs) so if you can change that and train yourself to be secure it must take decades of therapy did you do like active attachment style healing though or were you just more like delving into the past and doing other kinds of healing rather than like was specifically targeting your attachment style no it wasn't specifically targeting my attachment style it was I, I think a lot of my therapy was me I mean you probably know that I'm like it with you when I'm talking I'm telling a situation or a, a situation that I'm in and I'm always asking myself and yeah. the people that are listening to me questions like why am I like this why am I doing why did I do that why did I let that upset me so much and I think that led to my therapist asking me questions about my childhood and stuff and then that went into like really big realizations about that because all the stuff that I now know about my kind of parental trauma mm-hmm. I didn't even think I had any I thought I had a per- like a fine relationship with my parents <laughs> and it's just obviously you know all my personal life that's happened in the past three years with my parents has all kind of gone out the window yeah um but so it definitely wasn't like attachment style therapy. It was just a lot of um, kind of going back to yeah. the start of my childhood and how I was treated, which led to me kind of getting answers as to why I reacted and did things that I did now in my relationships. Yeah. Which is, I guess, I mean, that is exploring your attachment style, isn't it? But I think you can like specifically like aim to heal those attachment styles. I don't know if it's more of like a CBD style, which I fucking hate it. I, t- CBD is not for me. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't done it either clearly but um yeah maybe you have to be more like specifically focused on it and it won't take decades yeah I don't know I mean I can never be asked to put the work in I ain't about to start now (laughs) (laughs) I think I my therapist was like can we just do one job at a time (laughs) like seriously I can't I can't really help you with your parental trauma while you're actually having a two-year-long nervous breakdown about your ex-boyfriend like we just need to do one (laughs) Yeah, that sounds sounds quite relatable. My my poor therapist. Yeah. Our poor therapist. Um yeah. we like with attachment styles, I think we see repeated patterns in our relationships and we constantly are like, why do I keep finding myself in this exact same position with this like seemingly exact same person? Like it, you can be with someone completely new and think they're so different and yet you end up in that same position like again and again and again. And that can mostly be down to your attachment style and the kind of attachment style you tend to be attracted to mm-hmm. and how they respond to your things as well. So basically, yeah, yeah, we are going for the wrong person. So yeah, our attachment style basically comes down to the way we learn as children to receive love and care and what we have to do to feel secure or to feel like we're going to get that love and care. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do a little brief, I say brief, this is probably going to take us two hours because it's us, <laughs> breakdown of the four different attachment styles. The first one is mm-hmm. anxious attachments, um, sometimes called preoccupied attachments. Um, it's one of the three insecure attachment styles referred to as anxious ambivalent attachment in children it develops in early childhood most often due to misattuned and inconsistent parenting so parents that sometimes are all in and all over you and love 
and then other times mm-hmm. unreachable um or it can be like one parent is always there the other parent is very much not hello mm-hmm. that's me <laughs> enter me low self-esteem strong fear of rejection or abandonment and clinginess in relationships are common signs of this attachment style although it does require effort individuals with such an attachment style can develop a secure attachment style over time <sighs> so who knows maybe one day can i just say i i don't know why but i just and i don't want this to be like really depressing as well but i just feel like that is such a big like not for you in particular like for me for mm-hmm. anyone i just feel like that's such a big job to me it's like that will never i would i would never i will never be able to undo this. i know I, this is just me now forever yeah i feel the same and like the thought of actually trying to do that unpacking and relearning work it's fucking scary, isn't it? Because that's a lot. And you really have to, I feel like you'd have to delve in really deep and recognise some fucking uncomfortable truths about your childhood. Yeah, like, not even that. I'm like, I genuinely can't be bothered because I just don't think it would work. <laughs> like, it's not even like, if if someone said to me, like, no, you really can, I'd just, there wouldn't, there wouldn't ever be a part of me that would be like, okay, let's give this a go. Because I'd just be like, no, because I know it will. if it happens, it will take like 50 years and I can't be asked. So just no. <laughs> like, I've just accepted it. Well, that sounds like an anxious attachment style talking. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I'm going to go and you can carry on this episode. Because I'm just done, okay? <laughs> I will do a solo lecture. It's my TED talk. Yeah. So the development of an anxious attachment style is often associated with an inconsistent parenting pattern. Sometimes the parents will be supportive and responsive to the child's needs but others they won't be attuned to the child Uh, this inconsistency can make it difficult for the child to understand what the parent's behavior means and what kind of response to expect in the future the child might end up confused about his or her relationship with the caregivers whose behavior sends mixed signals so again like a kid is upset and one day the parent really responds exactly as they should the next they don't like you you never know what you go and get they're Mm. also linked to a so-called emotional hunger from the caregivers and that is where like the parent is seeking emotional and or physical closeness to their child to satisfy their own needs rather than just to look after the child which is really depressing um but completely understandable at the same time Um, and like those parents can appear really overprotective and they sort of use their children to fulfill their own desire for love rather than just raising their child for their child's sake well they've basically had a child so they have someone to love them right yeah as opposed to having a child so they can love them yeah but not it's like a it's like a guaranteed person that will love you yeah and it's not necessarily they had a child for that like consciously but the, oh, the yeah. subconscious sort of mm. eggs that on a little bit yeah yeah literally my next point is it should be noted that raising a child in such a manner might also be an automatic and unrealized pattern in adults who were raised the same way um and quite mm. often um children who grow up to be anxious attachment style their parents were also the same and it's like a generational pass on of those same things because mm-hmm. as we all know like parents pass on their shit and it's that breaking of the cycle is the hardest hardest thing to do like so mm. it's a lot of that so that's fun and honestly mm. reading this as a parent is fucking terrifying i have to admit <laughs> oh my god yeah i bet i'm like oh god am i too late have i fucked them already yes is probably <laughs> the answer 
Um, so some little symptoms in adults of the anxious attachment. Um, let's get your bingo cards out, kids, and see how many we get. Shall I raise my hand every time I think I've got one? I would like you to make a little noise. Let go ding every time you've got one. I'm going to, okay, right. I will ding. Low self-esteem. Ding. Strongly attuned to their partner's needs. Ding. Lacking in confidence in their own place in the relationship. That's a boom. <laughs> Blames themselves when their partner doesn't give them what they want. Ding. Requires constant reassurance that they're loved. Ding. Fear of abandonment. Ding. Intense jealousy and suspicion of their partner. Ding. Clingy. Ding. Fear of being alone. Oh, fucking ding. And highly emotional and dependent on others. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, don't worry. I had a full house there as well. You're not alone in that one at all. Okay, good. good. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of gives a little clue to what our results might be. Um, Ding. Yeah. So that's the anxious attachment style. Number one, done. Mm -hmm. Number two is the avoidant attachment style, or otherwise known as dismissive, aka every man I ever fall in love with. Okay. Um, The avoidant dismissive attachment style is another one of the three insecure attachment styles. Parents who are strict and emotionally distant and do not tolerate the expression of feelings, expect their kids to be independent and tough. That is who generally has a avoidant child so obviously you all heard that i dinged for all of those um the only thing that's interesting is as much as i dinged for those the actual description of the anxious Mm -hmm. attachment style like when you kind of read it out it didn't really resonate with me but that one sentence that you just said about this like being expected to be is tough and independent not even that it was just if i was ever upset or I was a real worrier Mm. when I was a kid. And if I ever expressed worry or I was scared or I was upset about something, I was always told, don't be so stupid, it'll be fine. I was never told, it's okay, you will Mm. be okay. I was told I was being ridiculous and that my emotions were silly. And I was never once told, it's completely understandable that you feel like that, but you don't have to feel like that because of X, Y, Z, I'm here, I will help you, blah, blah, blah. It's always, oh, you're such a worrier. You don't need to worry about that. You're being silly. Come on, stop. And um, yeah, so that really resonates with me, even though I don't think I've got this attachment style. And whenever you talk about stuff like that, it makes me so sad for little Morsh. Like it kills me. I know, um, little baby, baby Morsh. Poor her. Um, as adults, having an avoidant attachment style, they can appear confident and self-sufficient. They don't tolerate emotional or physical intimacy very well, might not be able to build a healthy relationship. So this one... As I kind of touched on, it develops in a child because of the emotional availability of their caregivers. They don't necessarily neglect the child, like they are there, but they tend to avoid the display of emotion and intimacy and are often misattuned to the child's emotional needs. Such caregivers are reserved and seem to back off when the child reaches out for support, reassurance and affection. The child expresses a need for closeness, but instead of receiving it, they perceive that the door is shut in their face. Parents whose children become avoidant might not only avoid expressing their own feelings, they might also disapprove of and not tolerate tolerate any notable display of emotions from their children, regardless of whether it's a negative sadness and fear or a positive excitement and joy. Being raised in such an environment is likely to cause an avoidant attachment style. Most often, the caregivers have this attachment style themselves, again. So it's 
exactly the same as with the anxious one. It's passing it on to the next generation. It's that cycle as ever with parents and their children, Mm. which is pretty Mm -hmm. rough. Symptoms as an adult can include um, being social, easygoing, really fun to be around, super independent, really strong self-esteem, loads of friends and or sexual partners. But in relationships, they will let people close, but they don't actually let them in. And as soon as the way, as soon as things start getting deep, they will push away. As soon as things get meaningful and heavy emotionally, they push it away because they've never been taught how to express or accept emotions, which is healthy. This is, it's just really blowing my mind because that entire description of this attachment style is my childhood down to a T. Like the, it is literally like someone just said, you have watched Morsh from when she was born until now. Describe her childhood to me. But the symptoms that you see in an adult, mm-hmm. I have the exact opposite. And my sister and I have spoken about this a lot because obviously she's experienced exactly the same thing as me. She's the only person in the whole world who knows exactly what I went through with my parents. And I don't know where we got it from, but it's like my sister and I saw all this stuff and said, we are going to be Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. And I don't know how we did that with no reference point. It's interesting you brought up your sister because when you started saying that, I was going to bring up your sister. So there's obviously the possibility that you and your sister gave each other that support. So you had that emotional support at times from each other. So you did still learn that you can get it sometimes. And also like grandparents or other adults in your life, like it doesn't have to be just your primary caregivers. Like if you are able to express yourself elsewhere that could potentially explain i mean fucking listen to me i did one psych course at uni <laughs> no i get you i get you it's just, it is weird it is weird and it's even when you said like it tends to be that attachment style tends to be handed down through generations like a hundred percent uh with my dad it was because i didn't really have a relationship with my grandparents on my dad's side my grandparents on my mum's side they were definitely not great with my mum and my aunt but they're great mm-hmm. with me and my sister but interestingly yeah. enough i see that while my parents weren't great with me and my sister especially my dad is amazing with my sister's kids i think that's so common yeah like so common like there just seems to be like a shift when a parent becomes a grandparent they seem to like i don't know if it's it's less pressure like i don't know they're not your children i don't know what it is but it seems to happen a lot maybe it's that when you're a grandparent and you're dealing with your grandkids you only have to do the fun stuff and there's no responsibility you don't have to look after them or bring them up you literally just have fun with them and maybe that's the bit that they find easy it's like being a dad (laughs) (laughs) sorry um I just feel like for me because I didn't have I had that dismissive attachment style kind of thrust upon me when I was a kid it made me go no I need someone and I know I completely understand Mm. how as a kid it can teach you that no one's coming so that makes you independent and makes you if anyone gets close to you you're like no you're just gonna fuck me over so no like I completely understand it but it seems to me it's like when you're a kid and you have that dismissiveness you're like oh but I want it but I want it and adults tend to grow Mm. out of that and it's like I never grew out of that I'm still just a kid going someone show me you love me someone love me me." yeah Yeah, it's like I'm still there yeah Mm. and I think all of this is obviously a very like basic overview Mm. and is very much like 
some like it's theory and it is like sometimes or most of the time it comes from this but obviously the human brain is way more complex than that so it does go a lot deeper like you're not necessarily going to fit perfectly into one Mm -hmm. or it's not all going to make sense to one i guess the same with fucking everything in it like can't we just get a clear answer on why i'm so (laughs) fucked up jesus So the final insecure attachment style is probably the most complex and that's disorganized attachment or fearful avoidant, as it's also called. And this develops when a child's caregivers become a source of fear. In adulthood, people with this attachment style are extremely inconsistent in their behavior and have a hard time trusting others. They can also suffer from other mental health issues such as substance abuse, depression or borderline personality disorder. I have all three of those (laughs) Um, and this attachment style can be changed with proper treatment although the process is way more challenging than the other two so yeah this comes from when caregivers show highly contrasting behavior which is inconsistent and unpredictable the child can fear for his or her own safety they don't know what to expect or if when the caregiver will meet their needs Another reason for fear is having or witnessing a traumatizing experience such as verbal, physical or sexual abuse that involves the attachment figure. So whether that is against the child themselves or against the other caregiver or Mm -hmm. just in general. The child realizes, understandably, that they cannot rely on their caregivers to meet their physical or emotional needs. The caregivers who should be acting as a source of safety are not only unreliable, but they are also causing fear. And the symptoms in adulthood combines pretty much all of the previous symptoms that we just discussed on the other insecure attachment styles. Um, They also push people away. They act similarly to those with avoidant attachments with the whole pushing away when people get close. However, the main difference is that the disorganised attached want to be loved whereas the avoidant attached fear being loved, so push it away. The disorganised push it away because they don't know what the fuck that is because they never had it, but they desperately, desperately want that love. Ooh, that's sad, isn't it? What's interesting is when you just read out that last one, I feel like that is the most common one that you hear of that's shown in TV and films and stuff, like someone as a kid, they're like mum there was like domestic abuse and stuff and I feel like it's a lot more of a kind of traditional one and the only thing I can think about that that's different to the others is that a lot of it is physical well not physical but like it's literally stuff that you see and it's not it's not just an emotional thing it's like actually witnessing domestic abuse sexual violence things like that Mm -hmm. um and I don't know if that's why it's a lot more common in our eyes, as in a lot more spoken about. Um, whereas the emotional stuff tends to, I feel like everyone's only really been talking about their emotions and mental health and stuff in like the last 20 years or so. Whereas like the yeah. physical stuff has been going on for donkey's years. And I feel like maybe that's why it seems more common to me because it's like a physical Yeah. it is actually the least common it is the least common attachment style of all four weird because the majority of people thankfully don't witness or experience violence regarding their caregivers growing up it's not yeah i mean it's more common than it should be but it's Mm. not you know you know what i mean though in terms of like tv and stuff it's it's the most commonly shown sort of ways that you can damage a child is like that's the most that's the one that you see the most do you know what i mean even though it's the least common. Well, yeah, but the media love the drama, don't they? It's like yeah. whenever they 
discuss mental illness in movies. Like even growing up, like think of Jacqueline Wilson, like the main book that everyone loved that was fully about mental health was the illustrated mum. There was yeah. no like mum's got a bit of anxiety because it doesn't make yeah. good telly. Yeah. I guess. It's not sensationalised, is it, I suppose, if it's just someone no. having a bit of a rough time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, se- secure attachments, they exist. According to this fucking website, it is the most <laughs> common type of attachment in Western society, which has blown my mind. Okay. And research suggests that around 66% of the American population is securely attached. And I'm like, what? So these secure motherfuckers that do exist, people who've developed this type of attachment are self-contented, social, warm and easy to connect to. They are aware of and able to express their feelings. They also tend to build deep, meaningful and long lasting relationships. Good for fucking you that's not a real person i refuse to believe that i've never met person. i don't think i've ever met a securely attached person i genuinely mean that with my whole heart no i don't think i have so the secure attachment comes from parents who are attentive understanding caring and predictable to the ch- to their children and don't break their trust which wow. wouldn't that would be, be amazing <laughs> honestly i'm like i don't think i've got it in me to be that parent let alone imagine having that parent <laughs> Like, I'm closer. This generation is definitely closer. But Mm. Jesus. Yeah. I ain't predictable. (laughs) No, you're not. That's my problem. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you. That's not fair. With the kids you are. No, not always. Because I still have my, like, down days because of mental illness. So some days... And, like, some days I can be really patient when they're doing something annoying. And other days I can literally just be like, shut the fuck up! Yeah, I suppose, so, again, I was thinking about this in more of like a physical sense. Like they always know when you're going to be there and they're not like wondering if you're going to feed them today. Like, again, I'm thinking about it in a lot more physical, like domestic terms. Oh, I don't know. I, emotional. I did actually make Ava, I did make Ava make breakfast and lunch for them both today. So maybe I'm not that predictable when it comes to feeding them either. It's just teaching her how to be an adult, though. That's fine exactly um and there was there is a like a long list of secure attachment style traits in adults on the website but i couldn't be asked to copy and paste them all um and i just wrote secure adults sound fucking wonderful yeah we're too jealous Um, of them to go into it so (laughs) basically it's just the opposite of all the other things we said like it's the emotional availability the genuine genuine emotional availability the willingness to commit the no fear the not not fearing commitment that blows my fucking mind like not worrying that when your partner goes out he's gonna cheat on you like not even thinking it that's a thing that people can do the only thing i would say though is what you just said to to me are two different things because I don't fear commitment. If I met someone and I really like them and they wanted to commit and settle down, there is not one part of me that would be like, oh no, I'm scared. But then I do mm. have that when they go out, like fear of are they going to cheat? Mm-hmm. Are they going to? I think again, this stems from like past relationships. But mine's not even are they going to yeah. cheat. Mine's that if I'm not in front of them, are they going to? like out of sight out of mind me are they just going to be like she's actually not that great it's like I feel like I need to be physically in front of them yeah showing them how great I am for them to think I'm great and if I'm not there they're Mm -hmm. not going to think yeah I get that see I do get the like commitment fear thing a bit because I think it's mostly now because I have really recognized how much I 
give up my independence when I get in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, oh, do I want to commit? Yeah. Like, I can do it on my own. Like, that sort of feeling. And, like, yeah, no, for me, it's a straight, they're going to fuck somebody else. Like, they, mm. that's just an always thought in my head. I mean, I've been proven right most times, which does not help the healing process, but, no. you know. <laughs> but also as well, it, like, a fear of commitment for both of us in the situations that we've been through although I don't like I said I don't think I necessarily have it but it would be entirely understandable that we would have fear of commitment Mm -hmm. now because we'd be like we don't want to get hurt again like we did yeah exactly yeah although I'm not I'm not like that I'm like balls to the wall let's go round two well round 15 hurt me again Woohoo! so that was a breakdown of the four attachment styles okay so we both did the quiz we did so talk me through your results so, Morty, Morticia. Uh, my results, I must admit, these are like quite, the results were, I found a little bit hard to read. So my attachment style mm-hmm. is obviously anxious, preoccupied. My general, oh, actually, oh, I, okay, I didn't see this bit. Sorry, I didn't actually, I scrolled down and missed this page. So obviously, like you said, when you answer questions, they ask you some questions in terms of your um like a mother figure and Mm -hmm. in terms of a father figure um so my general score was the preoccupied attachment um yeah and it's given me a six anxiety and a 3.5 avoidance okay for my partner I had the same the preoccupied attachment interesting um anxiety was 6.67 and avoidance was three so slightly different scores but still the same um, for my father, I was bang in the middle of dismissing attachment and disorganised attachment, literally on the line. Oh, well, there you um, go. That's what you were saying when yeah. we were talking about it. And, I, so, and sorry, I didn't read this. Why, why I said that before is because I didn't see this bit. Um, so sorry. my for the father, it was anxiety four and avoidance six. And then for my yeah. mother, it was very, very firmly in the disorganised attachment and the scores are pretty much the same, anxiety four and avoidance six. Interesting. Which is interesting because, yeah, as I was saying, like I completely relate with the preoccupied attachment style kind of yeah symptoms, but the cause of it I didn't quite agree with. But then when I've looked at the specific yeah. father and mother figure questions, it has very firmly gone into the disorganised slash dismissing attachment yeah. style. Yeah, so you have definitely got a lot of that in it. So it sounds like yours is more from relationships that you've gained your anxious attachment rather than all from your parents. Like your anxious attachment with a partner, but yeah. your parents taught you like a dismissive way. Yeah, that makes sense because the way I feel when I'm in a relationship and the anxieties that I face when I'm in a relationship, I don't feel like I've ever had those same anxieties about my relationship with my mum or my dad. Yeah. I can completely understand why, how they treated me when I was growing up has turned me into the sort of person that I am and why that has created some problems in the way I am in relationships. But I Mm -hmm. don't ever feel like the way I've felt in a relationship and what I have wanted from a partner is the same as what I've been craving from my parents. Yeah. Like, cause I'm very much the relationship I've got with my parents now. I'm very much like, and I have been for years, even before I had all the therapy, I've just been a bit like, whatever. I'm not that bothered. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas I've never had that in relationships. I'm like, I am really bothered. Like, this needs to be fixed. We need to sort it out. Like, I need you to love me. I need you to want me. Or you can't leave me. You can't leave me. And I've never been like that with my parents. I've never really, like, forcefully tried to get their acceptance or their love. Yeah. I wonder if that's so, because you learn as a child, there was no point in keep fighting for it. Like, you'd already tried as a kid and they weren't ever going to give it to you. So now you're in a relationship, you're like, okay, this person will give it to me. So then you try with that new person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely get that. And I think you're right. And I think that anxiety in relationships stems from maybe me being like, I wanted this for my parents. I didn't get it. So that's done. That ship has sailed. You are a new person who is telling me that you're not going to do that. So I want all this from you. Please don't prove me wrong and do what my parents did. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that to me. And I haven't realised that it's not a direct relation, but it is a knock-on effect from just because I'm like that with them. And I have never, like, I still don't say to my parents, like, you can't leave me. I'm not still trying with them. But Mm -hmm. I definitely think it is a product of that from when I was a kid that makes me so like grab onto someone almost like at the scruff of the neck and be like don't leave me um yeah totally because I have already accepted that I have been abandoned by them by my parents yeah maybe yeah do you see what I mean I'm finding it quite hard to articulate that I don't know if I'm doing it very well no that all made a lot of sense it is Mm. a really fucking hard thing to articulate though it's a heavy topic and it's really difficult to to look back and express that and I think it's also really difficult to talk about in a way that, you know, people are listening as well. It's one thing mm. if me and you were just sat here talking about it, but yeah, for sure. You, know, you still don't want to hurt. You don't want to hurt people still, but it's also, it's your truth. So mm. you're allowed to say it kind of thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's hardcore, but like we said, I've learned to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be asked to try and heal it. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to bother with that. Just let's just sit in this anxiety ridden mess for the rest of my life. <laughs> please long yeah Um, i'm with you what's your results so i've done my attachment style quiz so so many times (laughs) because i'm not okay and it kind of jumps between two what is that because you keep trying to get different answers (laughs) desperately (laughs) i'm just like studying it until i can lie to myself (laughs) i've got a secure attachment style love that um no mine kind of jumps between disorganized fearful avoidant and anxious preoccupied oh interesting so i think i must just sit on the cusp slightly but i think i normally get anxious which i was gonna say does that just not mean you've pretty much got every sort of bad attachment style going (laughs) yes yes it does um does anybody want to date me um no so mine's really interesting because like my mum so they do with your results you get this like little square box and it, it's got like disorganized dismissive secure preoccupied and it puts like where your mum lives where your dad is where your partner is and where your general is and my mum like sits firmly in secure like she's basically down at the bottom oh bless her because she's a hero that's why so so healthy whereas my father is literally in the top right hand corner <laughs> pretty much not even on it <laughs> couldn't be less 
of a parent, basically. Yeah. My partner, I get anxiety seven, avoidance three point six seven. Oh, which is interesting. And then my general, I get anxiety seven, avoidance four. As my friend, would you agree that I tend to avoid real things, conversations, <laughs> thoughts, feelings, emotions? Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Okay then. Yes, yeah, so I'm also anxious as fuck. Which is fun. Yeah, my mum my mum or caregiver number one, the result is secure and father or caregiver number two is insecure. Like there's no in between. So just to confirm, you said those little results that we got were out of seven, right? Uh-huh. That's hilarious then, because my general score and my partner score was my general was six and my partner was six point six seven anxiety. For what? <laughs> out of seven. <laughs> Yeah, well, mine are both seven. Oh, so. right, okay. <laughs> Fucking hell. <sighs> Shit, wait. We keep saying to people, do they want to date us through this yeah. podcast? This is the one to not send the boy that you think might like us, or girl, or anyone. Yeah. Please. Denial Don't tell knowledge. Them about this one. This one... This is just between us and the girlies, all right? Yeah. Like, this is not, this isn't for sharing. I'm going to remove my um, Instagram off my dating profiles for the next week so people that I match with can't <laughs> see the podcast advertised on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change my prompt. Yeah, but I'll just take that down for now. Oh, yeah, that doesn't exist. Um, okay, so our results. Are you surprised by yours? Um... No, I'm not surprised. And now I've kind of worked out that the mother, father in particular bits are not the preoccupied attachment. They're the disorganised and dismissive. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. For obviously the reasons I've said. But no, I think obviously my general gist is full throttle anxiety in every relationship that I have, which is pretty much on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like very understandable. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm not surprised. I am surprised by how uncomfortable I was answering the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like day to day, I don't, obviously I have conversations about how my parents have been and the relationship I have with them now and stuff. But as always with me and you, whenever I talk about it in like a general setting that you kind of like, oh, yeah, like no one loved me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Isn't that hilarious? Let's laugh about it. Yeah. Um, but then when you're actually answering the questions because some of them are like in terms of your mother figure how much do you think your emotions were paid attention to they're like questions like that and when you have to think about your answer and then put like strongly disagree you're like oh it kind of really drills the point home doesn't it answering those questions a lot more than reading the results does yeah I think so because you actually you really have to think about it because like you sort of I think your initial response because like I had similar with both of my parents like obviously my mum is the most supportive person in my entire universe like Mm -hmm. you know everyone fucking knows my mum's the best Mm. but there are still parts of my childhood where she wasn't always able to be like fully present so even on that sense when it's like thinking about a parent who was really there yeah when you start really thinking about the answers you have like your initial response and I'm like oh yeah she was always amazing and always there and then Mm. you go oh but actually, maybe it wasn't strongly agree. Maybe occasionally, yeah, I could have been a bit more. I think it's difficult on both sides of that to first of all like recognize when they weren't there, when you mm-hmm. thought they were, and like the and the parents you kind of dismiss like as never having been there. Like, yeah, my brain wants me to go down that question list and be like, no, dad was never there. Dad was never there. Dad was never mm. there. Dad was never there. But some of them are like 
they encouraged you to find your own like likes and talents in life and it's like oh you know what he actually kind of did with that like when Mm -hmm. I still saw him he actually he wasn't like it wasn't like he was like no you must do this so there's a lot of yeah I can't think of a better word than wibble wobble (laughs) wiggle room (laughs) there's a lot of wibble wobble in that I certainly agree and I think there's just two points I want to make one we can sit here and say all this stuff and it sounds bad like we know our parents are human and parents aren't some like alien yeah. species that have got like a handbook on how to do this all. Like, but fundamentally, everyone's parents are just adults like we are that are just fucking don't know what mm-hmm. on earth they're doing. So, a lot of these things yeah. aren't their fault. Like, I even with the relationship I've got with my parents now, I don't, I don't think any of it's intentional. I don't think anything like that is. No. It's just bad luck um, for me as their child. But yeah. it's also not their fault. Um, but also as well, like I said, some of the questions that I answered when you put like strongly disagree, there's in every single one of them, there were times in my life where they did exactly what I needed them to do. There may have been occasions where yeah. I was upset and they did give me a cuddle and go, it's okay. Blah, blah, blah. But for me, on the whole, I don't remember much of that. Um and you do have to look at it on the whole. I mean, I class from when you were born yeah. until when you were 16 as like the kind of formative years from when your parents can really establish these emotions and characteristics in you. Um, so you've got a 16 year period mm-hmm. to look at. So for me, if there was 10 occasions where I cried and got the response, the emotional and physical response that I needed in that time, that was great. But that 10 times over a 16 year period is not enough. (laughs) So yeah, it's not like I'm answering these questions and going, there was not one time where my mum ever gave me a cuddle. That's that's not what I'm saying. Of course. Um, So yeah, you're right. And it does that's I think that is why it's quite triggering answering these questions, because you you can't just be like a blanket yes, no. Because like you just said, there are times where they're completely delivered. But you have to really weigh up how much they delivered in the grand scheme of things to answer that question. And then when you come to the realisation that they didn't really deliver anywhere near (laughs) as much as you needed them to, it it drives the point home a bit, I suppose. Yeah, if you're talking like a percentage of times you're upset as a kid and, you know, 10 times in 16 years is going to be less than 1%, isn't it? Like, that's that's not being a conscious attentive attuned parent um i do appreciate that you said you reckon it's up to 16 though so i've got five years left with my eldest to fix any fuck-ups i've already made so that's not so that's not so scary and 11 years with the other one like that's fucking loads of time you can still fuck him up for a good couple before you've got to worry about it you've got loads of time with him (laughs) does knowing your attachment style and knowing more about attachment styles uh, make you feel better feel or worse, worse about relationships going forward um oh, i don't know it's hard i that's a hard question um i generally feel more optimistic about my next relationship but it's not because necessarily because i know my attachment style for me well, maybe it is a bit because I know it actually, but that's, this is all because of therapy. Like I said, I've said this a few times before. Yeah. I feel like at this point in my life, I've never known myself better than I do right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I also, yeah. because of my therapy, have had a lot of discussion about why 
the way certain people have acted has triggered me and caused the response that I've given or why I mm-hmm. struggled so much with my last breakup, all of those things. Um, and I feel like knowing the reasons why not necessarily means that I won't do it again, but it will help me recognize it a lot earlier. And I don't think I've ever been very good at recognizing. So when you meet people, obviously there are red flags that are just red flags for everyone that are, you can see. But I yeah. feel like we've all got our own personal red flags, things that other girls will be faced with that they literally not a problem for you big problem um and I feel like because of all of the therapy I've had and stuff I never ever ever went into any relationship and was faced with these red flags and saw them as red flags it was just always stuff for me I Mm -hmm. was always like I like this person so whatever they throw at me I will deal with and I think it's only now that I've realized that I don't actually have to do that um And I never would have been capable before of recognising these personal red flags that I don't like. It's not it's not the price you pay for liking someone, which is what I've learned. And I feel like a lot of time there's been a lot of things I don't like, but I've felt like that's just what you put up with if you want to be with the person you love. Going forward, I think obviously action in that is very different. I'm sure there will be situations where you'll go morsh. You don't like that, so why are you putting up Because <laughs> yeah. I love him, Mia. Uh, but uh, I like to think that I will recognise yeah. these things and maybe do something about it sooner. Fingers crossed. Can we all just take a second? Let's <laughs> all just take a little minute to give Mush a drama club round of applause for that fucking growth. Yes. I mean, yeah, we'll yet, we'll yet to see if you'll actually do it. But, you know, just recognising it is it's the first step in recovery. <laughs> Bit of a follow-on question to my does it make you feel better or worse relationships. Do you think that now, like, having learned more about attachment styles that we all kind of have in the last few years, do you feel like if you started dating someone you recognise they had an insecure attachment style, would that make you go, no, you're not for me? Or would you still do exactly what I would do and go, I can fix you? Um, I had a little cry then. <laughs> Sorry, just trying to compose myself. Um, isn't it very telling? Sorry, can I just say this one thing? That mm-hmm. all of the things that I've said, there's been a few times you've been like, that's sad, that's sad, that's sad, and I've been completely fine. And the one thing that made me cry was you congratulating me on something. I will be your secure attachment. You already are. And I love you for it. Yay! Sorry, so your question was, do I think that I would recognise these traits and say, no, that's not for me, or just deal with it? Mm -hmm. I am going to be honest, and I think I haven't changed or grown enough to be like, that's not for me. Um, (laughs) But I do think that I will, like I just said, I will recognise it earlier, and I will be able to have clearer communication with someone and be more sure about where I stand on it yeah. so I can articulate that properly and communicate it better mm-hmm. and tell them why I don't like it, how it makes you feel, blah, 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 blah. And that might help resolve issues better and quicker, which would, yeah, which would then yeah. lead to a better relationship. See what I mean? Yeah. I genuinely think like if I start getting into something that seemed like it was actually becoming a real relationship, I would legit just be like, can you do this quiz? And let's talk about your results. Because I think you could get into a relationship with someone who has an insecure attachment style, but it's about how you both understand each other and whether your willingness to appreciate each other's Mm. struggles 
with commitment and relationships and connection uh, would it put you off if you asked them to do the quiz and they said no yeah would it put you off <laughs> enough to do anything about it or would you just be like okay we're not gonna do that then because I love you <laughs> it depends how fit he is doesn't it let's be honest I mean I'm put, does, I'm put yeah. off if I ask a guy his fucking star sign and he goes why do you need to know that I'm like bye bin so I should probably <laughs> respond similarly with attachment style it's fair yeah it's fair um, I did have a little end point just about that again that these are totally fixable. You can develop a secure attachment. It does require therapy, like that's the best way to do it. This website again, I will link it all. It is attachmentproject.com. They have loads of workbooks on there and stuff. You do have to pay for them, but I guess it would be probably cheaper than hourly therapy. But yeah, it does. It's tough. It's going to, it won't be an easy ride, like, because it will involve, like, deeply working through your previous relationships and your upbringing that mm-hmm. have developed your insecure attachment style. But it is apparently doable. Um, so far, neither of us can prove that to be a fact but hey maybe one day you never know watch this space kids and you know what I just want to say one thing as well anyone listening to this if they kind of do want to delve into it but they feel like it's too much or it's too scary and you don't want to go over all that old ground and have to kind of face up to all of these things I completely appreciate that that is 100% true but in the same way why is therapy is like that best thing you've ever done it's scary yeah. but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it it's I could not I could go on all day about I think everyone should have therapy yes everyone everyone constantly it should be free we should all have a weekly mm, we should all have a free monthly therapy session when I run for prime minister yeah. that is gonna be my first move wow <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if I run for prime minister, it's not like they could dig out any like secrets because I tell them all on this fucking podcast. So none of them are secret. <laughs> There's no dirty laundry you can air, my friend. I've aired it myself. It's right out the front of my house. Do you reckon we could co-prime minister? Oh together? my God, can you we imagine? Like in America, like you can choose. Oh, I guess you do here. What would you be? Like my chancellor. Is that the second in command? You can't do numbers. That'd be terrible. Oh God, yeah. I think us... We'd be in recession, like... Four minutes after we'd, you got we'd spend the whole like country's purse on like pretty shoes for everyone. <laughs> that was a joke. That is officially the funniest thing you've ever said. Um, anything else um, you'd like to add on yeah. attachment styles, or do you think we've we've wrung ourselves dry on this one today yeah i think we've officially dug up enough trauma i'm just gonna go and drown myself in the bath now to really seal the deal nice i haven't got any kids so i'm gonna just go keep drinking oh can someone can any of our listeners if you're intelligent can you um create invent teleportation invent teleportation yeah because that would be really great seriously imagine if i just literally i finished work and i was like what are you doing tonight and you were like nothing and i was like well and i was just next to you on the sofa can you fucking imagine that stop it like we don't need everyone to have teleportation we just need one wormhole between morsha's bedroom and my bedroom that's all we know what i'm gonna say something that's gonna make you cry now do you know how often I would bing myself into your room to hold your hand in the middle of the night while you were asleep. (laughs) Right. Do you know what, though? The worst thing about that is my brain went to, do you know how often I'd bing myself into your room in the middle of the night to scare the shit out of you? (laughs) 
yeah, like you couldn't even lock the door to stop you from doing it. Oh my god, the no. amount of times I'd bring myself to your room to hold your hand, and you'd be like, someone would be just balls deep in you, and I'd be like, <laughs> I just wanted to hold hands. You can no. still hold my hand. Yeah. I'd literally be like, oh, sorry, Marsha's here now. You can leave. Yeah. I'm just going to bing myself to the beach for a half an hour. Hurry up. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. If anyone's yeah. got that technology in the works, like, please let yeah. us have it because we're really oh. nice and cool. Mia, look at how long this episode is. Well, it's not because remember I did record half an hour of I was talking shit <laughs> when I thought I paused it. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Mm. Good luck editing this, though. Thanks, babes. Can't wait. As always. So, yeah, as usual, I'm gonna we're going to do our, our weekly beg of giving us love. Follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at I'm Good Actually Podcast. Join us on Patreon for our beautiful bonus content. Last week, we posted some wonderful content that involved Morsh having an actual breakdown over Mr. Blobby. <laughs> Uh, the most passionate I've ever heard her speak on any topic. So that is worth your £3 alone. Can I just say, did you notice that as you were saying that, I was all laughing. And when you said his name, I was like... <laughs> yeah, she went straight into a trauma response there. <laughs> Triggered. Um, and please like, subscribe and leave us a little review because genuinely at least once a month Morse checks our Apple podcast reviews and sends them to me and we both shed some tears because we fucking love you guys you are the best somebody said that listening to the podcast feels like you're sat with your mates and that they try and like join in the conversation all the time Mm. and I think I speak for both of us when I say that is exactly what we're aiming for yeah. With this. So many people say they go to talk back to us when they're listening, and I, it's literally the biggest compliment ever. I love it. And it's also very accurate because if you are sat in a room with us, you won't be able to get a word in anyways. <laughs> so it's yeah, exactly is... the same as listening to us. Yeah. In real life, this is exactly what our freeway conversation would be like. You still wouldn't be able to talk. So yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah. But yeah. So keep keep loving us and we'll keep loving you right back. Yeah, thank you very much. Sorry if this song was heavy. Um, feel free to message us if any of it was a bit much. We can't yeah. help, but we can sympathise. We'll definitely listen. That's all we're good for. Yeah, listening. We ain't got any advice. You know this by now. <laughs> <laughs> Not good advice anyway. We've got loads of bad no. advice. Literally like girls yeah. loud, but no good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I loved girls aloud. My God, what a band. Yeah, I'm going to go and cheer myself up by listening to the Girls Aloud Mega Mix. (gasps) Great shout. Ugh, perfect. All right, well, see you next week and love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I wanted to give you a chance to do it first so it didn't cut out.